Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening, guys. And Brian Plank. Hello. As we review the last seven days or so in film, including a new release review of the latest Marvel Studios film, Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, among others. Um, He's the least impressive member of that cast. All the people you could have named, and we missed them all out then. But he is the title character. Oh, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but Mads Mikkelsen's in it. So, you know, automatically trumps Cumberbatch. Pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah, anyway. We'll, come on to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that later. Yeah. Let's not save gold like that. You know. <laughs> uh, we'll start with a quiz where Owen is winning still. I am. 2 0. Um, yes. So I've got some catching up to do. So Owen is asking questions and Brian and Brooker are trying to win points on the uh, Owen's behalf. Yes. Uh, Owen, have you got something lined up for me to watch if I lose? I will find something. I will think of something. Yeah. But otherwise, hello, Brian. Hello, Brooker. Welcome to the podcast. Quiz time. Yeah, no problem. So, right, quiz. We'll get straight into it. Um, as we're talking about Doctor Strange uh, a little later on in the show, I decided to take the term doctor, literally, and come up with some movie diseases. Right? Okay. So I'm going to name an illness or a disease from a film, and you have to tell me what movie it's from. So, for example, if I were to say an asteroid lands on Earth and radiation causes the dead to rise, you would say... Miss Congeniality. Close. <laughs> Day of yeah. the Dead. Uh, Night of the Living Night Dead. Of the living uh, dead. Uh, Juice Bigelow, European Chigolo. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> that went flat. Oh uh, dear. But anyway, yes. So um, that's basically what you've got to do. I'll I'll read out this disease. You've got a question each. So it's Steve versus Brian and Brooker. You've got to tell me what the film is. Uh, the disease that I'm describing from. Hmm. That sentence could have gone better. If you don't guess correctly, I'll pass it over to the other team. So uh, I'll start as well with one relatively easy movie for each of you and then I think they'll gradually become slightly more tricky. Just to let us know that we're properly stupid if we can't get the first one. <laughs> well, I yes, yeah, you would be, I think. So Steve, you can go first. I think you Thanks. went second last week. Uh the disease starts off as a blood blister, 
but is in fact a flesh-eating bacteria. What um, film is that? Cabin Fever? Correct. Yes, one point nice. to Steve. So you see how it works, okay? Brooke, Brian, um, uh, an animal rights activist sets, a, sets free a chimpanzee that's infected with a rage virus. Dawn of the Planet of is, the Apes? Is that, wait, is that not 28 days later? Is that not, are you going is that not where rage comes from? We, we are conferring. Mm. Like on University this. Challenge. <laughs> it's because we're no, absolutely... like a team on blockbusters it's always allowed two people which is really unfair <laughs> it's because they're retards <gasps> I read they're, un- they're only kids well, yeah. <laughs> right what are you going for oh yeah we'll go with Brian's one 28 days later is correct <sighs> yes one or you're properly stupid Rooker <laughs> this, I've never denied that fact once Okay, Steve, back to you. Um, I think it's probably best described as a kind of hay fever that causes people to commit suicide. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Is that... Oh, what's it called? Well, if I told you that, you would... uh... Is it it, it, it The Happening? It's The Happening. Yes. Is that the one with Marky Mark Wahlberg? Running away from the wind. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. God, that was good, wasn't it? The trees are out to get him. Yeah. I thought the only way to describe that is like a hay fever. Um, yeah. Brooke, Brian, your turn. It's the year 2027, and the human race has been infertile for two decades. Oh, I know. Is that the Clive Owen one? Children of Men? Or. That sounds about right. It is Children of Men. Correct. Two all. There you go. So, back to you, Steve. These are the ones I think are probably going to be a bit tricky and we may end up going to a tiebreak. But we'll see. Uh, An experimental parasite causes uncontrollable sexual desire in its host. It's quite a tricky one. And it it is from a sort of cult horror film. I'll give you that, that much. I, I don't. I genuinely don't. I could even make an educated guess at that one. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Do you guys want to have a guess, Brian Brooker? It sounds like an episode of Outer Limits that I swear I saw when I was a kid. <laughs> My first no. thought was species, but that's not a parasite. No. Or is oh, it? it's the fuck the Cronenberg one, motherfucker, <laughs> son of a bitch. No. It is the Cronenberg one. It's Shivers. Shivers. Son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one, I think, was quite tricky. And now it's your turn, Brian. Your turn, Brooker. And it's a virus that attacks the central nervous system and is spread by touch called MEV1. Wipes out over 26 million people worldwide. Uh, That's not a lot, really, is it? <laughs> mm. Like, when you think of 7 billion... It all depends who they are. <laughs> Americans, basically. It was the... It was is it, the, is it the, the Dustin Hoffman one? Contagion. No, no. Is no. it Contagion? Yeah, the Soderbergh one. It's correct. Yeah. Yep, there you go. So, Steve, you've lost. 2-3. Brian and Brooker. It was Contagion, yep, the Soderbergh one. Congratulations. Yes. 
and that means I've got to now think of a film to watch or to make Steve watch. Pretty sure uh, we were just talking about a really crappy horror film that you could give him, make him watch again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Steve, Steve, you're in for a treat. You, I know you like horror films, uh, so you will probably hate this one. I'm going to make you watch The Forest. I've seen it. Oh! <laughs> so you could have kept quiet then, and we'd have been none the wiser. Mm, oh, it's terrible though. Yeah. I could make you watch, what was that fucking thing you kept trying to make me watch and we had to give up in the end? The Starving Games? You can go and watch that instead. <laughs> I will think of something. By the time we're over, we're done with this podcast, I will think of something to have made you watch. What's the the worry? one that everyone in the forum talked about for the the most awful documentary they've seen? Dear Adam, something. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, dear Zachary or something like that, which makes everyone cry. Yeah. No, I could, that's that's too depressing. You can't make any humour out of that when you're trying to review it. <laughs> I could. <laughs> mm. I. Don't think you could. <laughs> I could. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we should we move on then to some news while Owen looks for something for me to watch mm. in punishment for losing this quiz? Yes. And the only real major bit of news this week is that they are going to make a remake or reboot Rambo without any input from Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Rambo New Blood, it's called, which will have a younger actor... Um, Taking was it, over from Wasn't Stone. New Blood a Twilight movie? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't Possibly. know, Brooker. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, pos- yeah, it might can, be. Can we but... have... Can Rambo New Blood start with <laughs> Slice Alone walking around with a transfusion and an IV pack <laughs> shooting people? <laughs> yeah. And Rambo, then he, liver disease. Rambo gets a tea and a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Job well Maybe. done. Yep. Uh, it's, this is going to be directed by a guy called Ariel Vroman, who's an Israeli director, uh, who did The Iceman with Michael Shannon. Oh, that was all right. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I do. I have it on my watch list already. Um, so he's going to direct New Blood. Um, what I'm unsure about, um, uh, like any of the details to do with the film, like around whether it's a reboot, uh, a reimagining, because, you know, the first... First Blood from 1982 was based on a novel, uh, where it's going to be a remake of the first film, or if, like, has been kind of alluded to in some of the articles that I've read, whether it'll be like an old James Bond-style replacement. So you'll have a new actor playing the same character with very little continuity from what's happened previously. When Um, do we get the all-female Rambo reboot? I don't know, I'm still waiting for the Expender Bells, which is what Stallone was apparently working on. I was going to make a really, really bad joke then. Yeah, we we can all see where that one's going. Yeah, we don't need to continue that, Steve. (laughs) God, someone someone say it. No, No. nobody say it. (laughs) With the the female Rambo reboot, someone say say the obvious title. Just don't need to say it. Somebody does. (laughs) Go on, say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Oh, fuck off then. Right, so I'm suspicious whether this new one will be any good. Um, I personally don't think it'll work without Stallone uh, because he's not going to be involved in anything. I think it's got generic, boring 
uh, unexciting, made to a blueprint of every other generic, boring, yeah. unexciting Was action movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger really in Terminator Salvation at all? Because they brought him back to uh, Genesis, but that would have him not in it. No, that was it CGI. was CGI'd. Yeah, they had a younger-looking Stallone, uh, Stallone Schwarzenegger from the original Terminator. Right, but it wasn't actually him. So they, yeah. they haven't. There's not been a franchise so identified with an actor that's had to go doing it without him yet, has so? there? Uh, um, well, I mean, you, you could liken it to the old job, uh, James Bond things when they replaced Connery. Yes, so they'll do one with some Australian Rambo, and then a year later, <laughs> they'll bring back Rambo. Well, that and just lines up Jay on. Courtney, doesn't it? Because we all Jay want Cor- Jay Courtney. Yeah, they'll replace him with an Australian, everyone goes, this isn't working, and then go back to, I don't know. Getting the milkman in. <laughs> the milkman in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think it sounds more like stuff such as The Mechanic, um with Statham or Contraband, which had Mark Wahlberg in it. Uh, maybe even like the Robocop remake. Just something that's going to be so pish. So made to a generic sort of format that will remove any character or semblance of what made the original so striking and so standard. Did they do that with XXX? Like, has, has that come back? They did it with Vin Diesel and then Ice... And then Ice Cube was in it. Cube. And then did mm. they do another one? Other one. Well, there's another one coming out in January with Vin Diesel in it. Oh, back to Vin Diesel. Hmm. But, I mean, what about you guys? What do you think? Um, oh, guess what, in general? What's your, what's your opinions of, like, the original Rambo films? First Blood, 1, 2, 3, and then, obviously, the 2008 um, I thought one, film. 1, 2, and 4 were awesome. I didn't like 3 so much. Yeah, pretty, pretty much of the exact same opinion. But four done that thing where it just went completely balls out mental, didn't it? It was like one of the most violent yeah. films ever. It was made. psychotic. It yeah. was. It there was, you know, anybody that came up with the shit in that needed their fucking head examined. It was horrible. But it was really, really I, good. Like the the first Rambo is about a guy dealing with PTSD who's yeah. then being like hounded by the local police and stuff, and it just it's a situation that gets out of control. In Rambo 2 is, oh no, we've sent him back to the jungle for another mission. And it just it's like Predator, but without the Predator. Yeah. And then you get Rambo 3, which is just absolutely fucking nuts. It's just Rambo going around mowing down some Afghani soldiers. Then you get Rambo, which is just like the most hideously violent, uh, grotesque. Dude, the dude takes a 50 cal to the face at like two feet distance. It's, it was fucking insane. It is. Because it's about him still, like, he's now living in the jungle in isolation. Yeah. And then he, he ends up getting, like, a bloody, what's what, like, a Gatling gun. Yeah. And just <laughs> mowing down a village of people. And it's like, yeah, you, what are you supposed to think when you watch this? Are you supposed to be appalled or are you supposed to be watching it going, yeah, fucking Rambo. Is it like that? It's a weird, that weird Bradley film. Cooper film where you meant to go, fucking get him. Yeah. Uh, American Sniper. Where mm. you're meant to leave and go. USA, USA. <laughs> I no, not really, because because that's still very nationalistic. Whereas Rambo's, it's without like nation, really. It doesn't come across as an American hero. He's just a lunatic. 
Um, Rambo was just kind of horrendously violent for the sake of it because yeah. because they could. And in, in ways, it, it makes it quite a good film because you're looking at it through the lens of like, so this is what a man who's lived through what we've seen in the previous three films, you know, where he is just this mercenary sort of guy who will go and just shoot people through the head and have no, wouldn't even bat an eyelid to what he's like now as this old man who's just trying to live peacefully because he has to keep his demons in check. And as soon as they're unleashed, it's just like the most horrific, violent um, act that could be committed. But it's that's what, kind of what makes it a good film. But it is a hard watch. Oh, yeah. It's probably not, all the wrong reasons. Well, no, it's, not, it's not easy to watch at all. But it is. Once no. you get to the end of it, you're like, that was kind of fun, but I don't want to watch that again. <laughs> no. Um, but actually, the the new film, I just like I said, we haven't really got any information about it. Maybe because it's got this Ariel Roman who's in charge of it, it might be darker than we kind of expect, but I've just got a feeling it's going to be studio action. Yeah, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. 12A, maybe 15. It's, it's going to be the Robocop remake. Yeah. It'll be Robocop or Total Recall or, you know, those kind of remakes that yeah. got no character in them. Or Terminator Genesis, that kind of <laughs> quality. Yeah. I think you could have Joel Kinnaman in it. Have Robocop back. Put Joel Kinnaman in it, that'd be all right. Better than Jai Courtney. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he would be an upgrade on Jay Courtney, even though I do kind of. I like would be Jay an upgrade Courtney. on Jay Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> they should get um, Dan Stevens, who's in the guest, <laughs> to do it. Polite British guy playing Rambo. I reckon he could do. He could nail it. It's literally like having Daniel Craig try and do it. Well, yes. Why not? I still want Martin Freeman. <laughs> What we've been watching now, we have a look at the films we've seen in the last week that aren't new releases, um, or not the main new release, Doctor Strange, for this week. So, Owen, why don't you start us off telling everyone what you've seen? No doubt, horrors. Well, yeah, I've watched Halloween. Buttload of horror films, but uh, actually, what I'm going to talk about is something I haven't watched uh, because I listened to it. Um, it was a um, a radio drama, uh, specifically something called the Stone Tape, that was broadcast on BBC Radio Four at midnight on Sunday evening um, or Monday morning, Halloween morning, whichever way you want to look at it. It's a reimagining of an old 1972 TV play that was originally done by Nigel Neal. Who he was the chap behind the Quatermass experiment, and um, I've watched half of his film, half of the original TV play on YouTube before we recorded this podcast. Uh, but the men behind the remake are two guys. One's called Matthew Graham, who's uh, written lots of TV stuff before, and Peter Strickland, he of Barbarian Sound Studio fame, and. I'm not sure if any of our listeners can remember back that far, but James was the first one of us to see Barbarian Sound Studio when it came out in August 2012. Uh, It's essentially like a modern giallo with Toby Jones, and it's set inside of a sound studio. And James recommended that people watch it, but watch it on a laptop with headphones in. 
uh, which is kind of like an unusual recommendation for a film. Most of the time people say, oh, you should watch it on the biggest screen possible or it's not really a film. Um, and James was right, because that is absolutely the best way to watch Barbarian Sound System uh, Studio, because the sound design is fantastic in it. It's all about the use of sound uh, and music and noise and, and silence and stuff like that. So it makes complete sense that Strickland has been given license to create a radio drama for Radio 4's Fright Night series uh, with a plot based around a group of scientists and their supersonic drill thing and ghosts and stuff like that. Basically, it's set in 1979. Uh, a group of scientists travel to a Victorian house where they're going to set up a new lab and the equipment they're testing uses sound frequencies to split rock. And one of the scientists, who's uh, like a grieving uh, woman, she hears a disembodied scream in the cellar. Turns out that it's the sound that was trapped in the stone and they investigate whether it's a ghost or not. Uh, I haven't made it sound particularly scary and it's probably because that's the only problem I really had with the stone tape. It just wasn't scary. And that's similar to Barbarian Sound Studio in that regard, which also wasn't scary. But it is definitely eerie and, you know, creepy and all those things. What it also is, is a fantastic piece of drama. It's It's got really great voice acting from the cast uh, that includes the likes of Julian Ryan-Tutt, who most will know as the ginger guy from Green Wing. And it's got Julian Barrett from The Mighty Boosh. It's got Tom Bennett, who's been in loads of stuff recently. Uh, like mascots, and he was David Brent's mate in Brent Life on the Road. Uh, but I think he's still probably most known for Phone Shop. What, what, anyway, what I'm trying to get at is that the Stone Tape has a decent cast, who are all really good in this. Um, Romola Garay uh, plays someone called Jill. She's the woman who first hears the noise. She was particularly, particularly good, I thought, and very reminiscent of someone like uh, Olivia Coleman. The story's also really intriguing. Some of the characters are complete knobs uh, and one or at a push two are kind of endearing, but mostly they're just well written and you get to know enough about their backstory without it becoming too, um, uh, too like irksome, I guess is the word. You know, it's, it's under an hour, uh, but doesn't feel like it needed to be any longer or any shorter than that. I think some of the overtones about grief and fractured relationships are a little heavy-handed. Uh, well, no, no, maybe not really. I'm, I mean, I'm taking that back. It wasn't really heavy-handed. It was just a bit obvious, that's all. Uh, but that's, again, not a criticism. It's just very neat writing. But it, it still had atmosphere and character and intrigue. And I think credit should go to uh, James Cargill, Andrew Lyles, Steve Haywood... Raoul Brand and Eloise Whitmore, who were involved in the music and sound production on this. Because, like I say, I, I was only listening to this, actually, through car speakers uh, as I was commuting into university earlier. But even I could appreciate that it sounded great. And from what I can tell, they've changed quite a lot from the original TV play, uh, which also had kind of like a chilling atmosphere and strong central female character being unintentionally... Uh, as well as intentionally patronised by her male scientist colleagues. But, it, I mean, it might also be a bit too early to say that, because, like I said, I haven't finished the TV play yet. But I did feel that Matthew Graham's writing improves on Nigel Neal's original, and the sound in it is also fantastic. But they're both good, 
and interesting concepts that are executed pretty well. Finally, I will just say, as for the radio play, there were two versions that you can listen to uh, or download from the BBC's website at the minute. There's the original broadcast version, which is what I listened to, or a specially enhanced version, which has some um, special technology stuff that the BBC have that was used to create what's, what they call the 3D binaural mix design, which is specifically meant to be heard on headphones. And as I've only like listened to it in the car on my way into university, I haven't listened to the specially enhanced version yet, but I will because I will try and make time to listen to it. It's only 58 minutes long um, and it was really interesting. So I want to hear it how it was intended to be heard, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it was just really good. Something a bit different for us to talk about on the podcast anyway than um, as always happens at Halloween where we end up just talking about the same old horror movies. So definitely give it a listen if uh, it sounds like it might be something you're interested in. Okay. Um, Brian, what have you seen? My one sort of a horror film, it's a big genre mashup. Having talked about it in the trilogy spot last time around when I was on, I dug out Hot Fuzz and watched that again. And it's part police procedural, it's part police, it's part action, it's part horror. It's just like a sense of dread and foreboding, something's not quite right. Um, it's a comedy and usually when you watch comedies again you know right the joke is coming up here and it, you get diminishing returns but each time I watch Hot Fuzz I see a joke I've missed the first time around or second or third or fourth time around um, like this time around it was when they've got the swear jar in the police station and there's a little sign saying what each word is worth so you get F star star K a pound S H star T pound Cunt, two pounds. <laughs> and it comes so quickly and so thick and fast and it's not shot like a comedy, it's not acted like a comedy, it's just an action film that's very, very funny. And it's so British and it just works so well. Like you couldn't have it be any other supermarket in Summerfield. Because it, it's just the shittest supermarket. And it... That's just funny. That just works for the film. Like, I watched the last half hour when Nick comes back into town always with a massive grin on my face. Because it's just so much fun. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, I mean, I was a bit taken aback last week when... Or whenever it was, the week before, I think, when you and Tony both agreed that it was better than Shaun of the Dead, though. Because it is. Hmm. I'm still not convinced about that. I do really like Shaun of the Dead. It's close. It's very yeah. close. See, I think my thing, because I haven't watched the zombie film that's based on, I don't get or understand or appreciate a lot of the jokes, but I have seen all the, the mm. action and police um, procedures. Yeah, that could that might that might swing it a bit, I suppose. So you, you've got you need the vocabulary to understand the jokes that they're making. Yes. Okay, Brooker, what have you seen this week? So in in an attempt to overdose on horror movies, because I don't think I've stopped watching them since (laughs) the middle of August, uh, I sat and watched a a little 2011 indie horror called The Woman. Have you guys come across this before? I've come across the poster, not in a literal sense. (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> there are boobs on the poster. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> but no, I have, I do like the poster with the woman's face and the W that's over the top of it. I think that's a very stylish thing that caught my attention. But I haven't actually seen the film yet, and I don't know an awful lot about it. So it's a little... It, it's a, about a guy who's... Uh, Sean Bridges has since been in things like Room and Trumbo and and films of that ilk. But I don't think I'd heard of him before I saw The Woman. You know, by the looks of his IMDb page, he's done a lot of one-episode stints and shit. But he, he comes across this this woman who kind of lives like Mowgli would actually live if The Jungle Book wasn't a Disney thing. It's a just feral woman who hangs around in the woods killing animals to eat. Uh, and he catches her, you know, nets her, and chains her up in his cellar and tries with this kind of... this systematic abuse, uh, which includes beating the shit out of her and, and, and uh, pressure-washing her and occasionally raping her to try and tame this woman that doesn't know any thing at all. Yeah, doesn't know any better. She's just she's an animal. And the thing is that the film, while it, it looks like it's about him and her, it's actually just as much about him and how he abuses his family. Uh, he's he's kind of teaching his son to do similar things. And his wife and daughters are kind of mentally and physically abused by both of them. Uh, and as you can imagine, because they kind of they treat this woman like they do. They have a very similar thing they're doing with dogs, and they're just beating the living daylights out of dogs, trying to make them just docile, which isn't working in the slightest. Because he's now just got a house filled with really fucking nasty dogs. Uh, so yeah, things just generally they slow burn for about an hour, hour and ten minutes, and the last. Half an hour is just one of the nastiest, but one of the most satisfying endings you'll you'll see to a horror film ever. It's it's abs- it's really really good, and like there's not many films that you get to the end of and go, "Poor, that was." I need I need to watch something a bit nice before I go to bed because, and the the misses because it was the first time uh, the wife had seen it and she sat there and went, "Can we like?" watch some sitcom or something before we go to bed because fucking hell that was I did not expect that <laughs> it's it's a really really cool little horror film I don't, I don't even know how I tripped across it because it's it's been distributed in this country by the horror show dot tv who are like a horror streaming service right and I think they're the guys actually that that wanted to certify hate crime so that they get little weird films that no one's heard of and and distribute them and i think i just i was scouring the internet looking for horror films and tripped across this thing one day uh but i've watched it two or three times it's actually really good the the woman in it i i don't know her from much her name's pollyanna mcintosh i think she was in filth but i i know her. she was the brunette in exam and they're pretty much the only films i know in her imdb list but it's hmm. It's I really, don't recognise her name, I have to be honest. It's really dark, it's it's really slow and tense, but it's really, really good. And you literally you can I think you can buy it for like two pound ninety nine digitally. It's a 
you, you, there are no better ways to spend three quid if you want to buy a film. I think it's also on Netflix. Yes, it is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's been on my watch list, but maybe I'll force myself to get around to doing it this week. It's really, really good. I think you'll love it. Speaking of stuff on Netflix, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know what film you're going to watch for losing the quiz? Okay. This is a film that is on Netflix, definitely is on Netflix, that was recommended to me by Jonathan Sothcott, the film producer who we've had on the podcast in the past. Right. He said to watch Spellbinder, which is a 1988, uh, I guess you could call it a horror film, which is about um, an attorney. I'll just read the Netflix description, what's here. An attorney discovers that the young homeless woman he has rescued from an abusive boyfriend was, until recently, a member of a coven of witches. And it's everything that a late 80s horror film like that sounds like it's going to be. And Good. Yep, oh God, I the one will... sheet's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you can see it kind of tries to be like a... Um, a folk horror or a bit of like a Rosemary's Baby type affair uh, but with like a cult in it but it's just like it's not and so (laughs) there were some things in it I will see if you pick out the same things there were some things in it that I loved like individual bits that I thought were fantastic mostly though have fun with that (laughs) thanks look forward to it already Time now for our main release, or new release review, which is, as we said at the start of the podcast, the latest Marvel movie, Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the title character, and better people than him in other roles, <laughs> apparently. Yes, yeah, lots of better people in I it. I say, that's not even apparently, that is definitely better people than him in better roles. Well. Mads Mikkelsen plays the bad guy, and he's as good as he always is. Um, Tilda Swinton... Well, surprisingly, well, not surprisingly because of, you know, her reputation because she's a good actress, but was just she blew it away. She was yeah, incredible. Yeah, I really liked her. Mm. Yeah, she was fantastic. And um, Benedict Wong as well was in it. It's always weird watching him pop up and stuff. Playing a character called Wong. Called Wong, yeah. <laughs> Did any of you lot watch the um, Sean Locke sitcom that he was in, 15 Stories High? No. No. Oh, Okay then it will mean nothing to you. I was going to say, every time I see him, he's just the weird flatmate in that. It's very funny. I highly recommend it. But it's strange now to see Benedict Wong as that's all, like, slightly chubby, uh, nervous, weird housemate in the in as a BBC sitcom to being in all these, like, massive productions and stuff. Uh, and being Channel massive 4. in them. Oh, Channel 4 it was. You're right. Sorry. But, um, yeah... But he was great in this as well. I thought he was really good. Um, Edgier four again was good. Uh, Andrew he was pronounced very, his name. Edgier four, I think. Yeah, and I was quite surprised and uh, like amazed when Scott Adkins popped up. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck me, that's Scott Adkins!" And then Scott Adkins couldn't be in it for very long, could he? No. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, wait, Scott Adkins was the guy that um, Doctor Strange has a fight with uh, the, the, in the mansion. The, the, the oh no! Right, got it. Yep. 
the, the yeah. dude that we were talking about on the Twitters the other day. Which I'm sure He's basically the British equivalent of Jean-Claude Van Damme at the minute. He just pops up like when Jean-Claude Van Damme was just occasionally in every other film um, in sort of the late 80s. He's... He played Deadpool, didn't he, in Oranges, X-Men Oranges. Yeah, he was... Yeah, so when Wade Wilson dies and then come like at the end oh, of X-Men right. Origins, he... Scott Adkins is the, the Deadpool thing. And... Um, well, he was in something... Oh, he was in Expendables 2. He was in something else quite big quite recently. Wait, is he like a, a real part where I need someone to do some fighting and flipping? Pretty yeah. much. Not that in the acting, just hopping about. Mm. And he gets his own little projects where he's occasionally... Good. Ninja 2. He's good in Ninja 2. And that's a decent action film as well. But um, then he also say, does stuff like Ninja, which is not... What did I say he was in the other day? Because I, I saw a, like a straight-to-DVD thing. Oh, was he in the Kickboxer remake? I can't... I'm going to have to... He was in Hard Target 2. Because there hard was a Hard Target, target 2. Hard Target 2, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's we're, waste, of, we're wasting a lot of time talking about someone very irrelevant. Oh, he's not irrelevant, Sorry, Steve. let's get back to Hawkeye Benny Cumberbatch. You're right, that's much better. <laughs> I mean, it was a uh, another different Marvel film. And it was, was also it? the same in many ways. It's different in so much it's they haven't... You know, they, they try and do something a bit different with all the different superheroes. And this one was like a a more trippy, uh, different dimension kind of sorcerer one compared to like a, a spy or a techno thriller or... Uh, yeah, I see or what a, you mean. It's like <clears> that <throat> kind of thing. They, they, they're, they're different superheroes, have different gimmicks and types of things. So Thor is he's their kind of... Fantasy stuff. Fantasy stuff. Then you've got the kind of espionage stuff with Captain America and their techno thrillers with with Iron Man and sci-fi with Guardians of the Galaxy and then they all merge when they do the films that meet up and this one was their kind of venture into different dimensions and sorcery and things but it was the same in many ways because it was another origin story yeah Um, Mm -hmm. a generic origin story a a quippy guy who makes jokes that did did the jokes fall flat in your cinema yes when strangers is making quips Mm -hmm. are they meant to fall flat because I couldn't work out, is it, are they saying, are they showing him as being a dick? Because right through the film he's a dick. And how he's making dickish, unfunny jokes. Because people well, he has laugh to be at a the dick. things where he wasn't involved in it. But I wasn't sure what tone they were going for, what tone they thought they were hmm. going for. He has, to, he has to be a dick in this, though, because of what happens to him. Yes. You know, if he was a really nice guy and then that happened, you think, oh, that's it. But they have to show him getting his comeuppance for being a knobhead. You know, he acts the arrogant surgeon prat and then loses the use of his hands. And you're like, well, shouldn't have driven like a fucking lunatic then. But at the same and time... And then he has just... his redemption where he, he, you know, learns to not be as much as a dickhead. But by the end, he's still pretty much a dickhead, just in a different sort of profession. <laughs> I know we said we're not going to talk about the end credit scene but did you stay for the end of the credits not the very end the, the very very last line after it says being distracted while driving is dangerous please pay attention yeah that's the final line of the credits that's the best that's the funniest the, the funniest thing in the <laughs> film does do someone want to have a, a stab at explaining the plot to this dr strange Stephen strange is one of the best neurosurgeons in the world 
he's he's effectively a genius and can heal all kinds of unhealable problems. He loses use of his hands. He learns of a way to recover his abilities and goes off to Tibet to find out how to do this and finds out there is different dimensions that he can himself access if he puts his mind to it, quite literally, and he is also quite good at it. So the way you've described it is sounds like a really, really boring film. Man can't do this, then says, oh, I'm going to do this, then realises he can't do that, so he does this. Then realises he can't do that, so he has to do this. And fin. End. Yeah, because he didn't see, unlike all the buildings bend and shit. <laughs> and not the, yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. But... It, it inceptions it up a bit. Hmm. Visu- yeah, visually the film is is stunning, and it does it. Or it might not be the newest thing. It does invoke memories of Inception, in, not in the plot but in the effects. But it does look brilliant. It's very inventive. The fight scenes are very inventive in it. Um, it looks cool. It looks colourful. It looks interesting. Um, I said that it's one of those films that looks better than the the the, the visuals are better than the plot, but the, it's not a bad film. It's I wouldn't say it's a bad film. I enjoyed it through the cinema, and then kind of forgot most of it within a week of watching it. Not even a week yet, and um, don't really feel the urge to go back and see it again anytime soon to figure out what it was that I, I've missed out on. Uh, if one of my the... pals wanted to go, go along with them, but I wouldn't make it to pop them back. Yeah, it's just I'll one of those movies, isn't it? Possibly get it on DVD when it becomes cheap. Mm. It, was, it wasn't the... You know, it wasn't as fun or as good as the last standalone superhero film that Marvel did, which was Ant-Man. I know Civil War was a Captain America film, but it was essentially an Avengers film. Yeah, I so, mean, Ant-Man was, was quite fun. It was a heisty little um, kind of action-y adventure type thing. And it was fun, but that was partly or mostly down to Paul Rudd, who, well, I thought it was surprising that he was so he did so well in that role because I wasn't sure about him. Um so he basically made that film. This film, is, its title character is the most boring character in it. And I don't really give all of the other people in it much character. Mads Mikkelsen, as much as I love the fellow and as, as you know, great as he is at playing a pantomime villain, that's all his character is in this. But there he's just Mads being Mads. There, yeah. there must be a scene where he talks about losing his wife and his child and the loss that means to him. Hmm. But they went... It's like two hours, Mads, your scene's got to go. Yeah. Because they allude to it, mm-hmm. but he himself isn't involved in that, I thought. They, they've cut a bit out that would have made us a proper character. He basically plays the tiger character from Kung Fu Panda, but without the story. <laughs> He's just the, the martial arts guy who's being bad. Uh, which is a shame because they lose a lot in that and it, it doesn't really create a dynamic between Mads Mikkelsen and um, Benedict Cumberbatch all their characters at least and I guess it's because they're trying to pull it between Tilda Swinton's character as the sort of master um, and Mads Mikkelsen's character but that, even that's not really there just because they have two scenes where they confront each other 
It doesn't actually generate any friction or even understanding for the audience. It's just another exercise in making the film look pretty. But I could be wrong. I, Brooke, no, they, <laughs> they, they don't develop the relationship. What I said in the Hulk mm. podcast years ago, they don't develop the relationship between characters. The only one they do is between Strange and Mordo. That one feels like needs to have a connection of some sort. Yeah, with Chuetto um, I don't remember what his name was. I want to call him Cyphodius, but I know that's not it. But Mickelson, an ancient one, and Mickelson and Mordo, Mickelson and Strange didn't have anything to do with each other. No. No. I mean, it seems like as well with um, the, the the main relationship they wanted to build was between Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel McAdams uh, as his hospital colleague. But she's doing that, that other... Mo- it's kind of cookie-cutter. Like, she's yeah, in that... Absolutely. She's in the Jane Foster slash Pepper Potts slash whatever... Uh, Ant-Man's wife was called role in that you're somewhere to be the girlfriend it, it's not about the girlfriend but you're there and you'll do some bits important in the plot to help you hear later on mm-hmm. and then you just chip off yep cheerio we don't need you for this bit so you're gone you're no longer relevant if, if they are going to introduce any more characters I don't know how many more I know Captain Marvel is planned and I don't know if they plan on doing any new oh, Black, Black Panther as well who's already kind of been introduced but Origin stories need to start being a bit more varied or just stop doing them. Or just start and then go backwards. Because I think the yeah. Spider I think the Spider Man film that is isn't isn't being done by Marvel. They're in, they're involved in it. That's not an origin story, that's just straight in. That's just straight mm. in. he's here, he's, he exists is a film. Yeah. Someone said you can do Spider Man in six words. Block his uncle dies by crime. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Deadpool did an origin story, didn't it? But with a weird non-linear narrative to it. So there was stuff that was actually happening as well as background to why he's Deadpool. Deadpool was original from the start, though. They, they, I mean, even though it was funny and it was that they, they did a different take on the origin story. Marvel aren't doing that; just doing straight up origin stories, which are getting a bit repetitive, even though. I have not disliked any of the films. It is getting a bit repetitive. Well, it wouldn't even be difficult to do for Strange because the the whole theme in the film is time and fraction time. If you start with the middle of fight and Strange has to run through his past and you see him becoming Sorcerer Supreme as he goes through, that's a decent framing device to tell a story and also tell the prologue to a story instead of having it go in one way straight forward. Mm-hmm. For all the visual inventiveness, it's a very straightforward story that's just been jazzed up. Yeah. Well, it, it's just a, con- a, a loosely connected scene by scene film, isn't it? The, the narrative is not really there. It doesn't have much of a story. You There's know. no twist or you thought this, but actually it's that. Yeah, exactly. There's no surprises, there's no thrills. It, away from some of those pretty looking action scenes I mean it, it just it lacked a bit of character um, which is a shame because the performances from a couple of the cast are, they deserve to be in a better film right. I, I made the joke beforehand that what I want to see in it is a bit where Tilda Swinton says you're a wizard Stephen and a thumping good one 
but <laughs> it actually was the first Harry Potter film. It's about someone being introduced to an ancient and mystical magical order, being told these are the rules, but because you're a great lad, you get to break whichever ones you fucking like. Mm-hmm. This is forbidden knowledge. This is forbidden artifacts. Oh, Stephen, it's yours now. Yeah. You're now a sorcerer supreme. Bad luck, Mordo. You've been training for the strages. And he, d- he genuinely looks crestfallen <laughs> when, that, when that happens, though. When, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, Brooker, you have been a bit quiet on this review. Is it because you haven't got anything nice to say, so you're not saying anything at all? Well, no, it's not that I've not got anything nice to say. I just don't think I've got anything extra to add to it. It's it For me, you know, I went in... Maybe I was having a shit day. Maybe the film just didn't register with me as well as some of the others. Like I, I'm past the point, for the most part, where I go in expecting a crap film because we've had 27 Marvel films in the last four months. So... Mm. I kind of I went in and the trailer looked great and I don't mind Cumberpatch and I love Mads Mikkelsen and this is going to be fun and I just less than two hours later I came out and I went all right fair enough mm-hmm. I said yeah. I I don't apart from the very nice effects and I'll, I'll be fair I've said I will go back and down to the local IMAX and I'll see it again in IMAX 3D because I just kind of shot into the earliest most convenient screening I could and it was just a standard 2D screen so I want to see the the effects on IMAX 3D just see if I've missed anything but the effects look great but outside of that it was just it felt generic seems like a really mean word but it's just it felt a bit empty it's not, there's nothing new yeah. or exciting about this film it's it's just it's another origin film for for a, a, another Marvel superhero I'm sure Doctor Strange 2 will be much better, but as it stands, I'm not that excited for Doctor Strange 2 after seeing this unlikable cunt rag just become super wizard in less than two hours. And do, still, do you really think that there'll be a Doctor Strange 2? Because I don't think it sets it up necessarily that you need a sequel. It just basically establishes him uh, as a character uh, within the universe. So <laughs> with, without it does. it does set up for a sequel. And the sequel, I'd rather see that story. Yeah. Because that's one that has drama and conflict and relationships instead of just moving pieces around a plot board. Yeah, it's, it's going to have two people who, who have developed a relationship in this first film going against each other. It's going to be, you know... It'd be like, you know, like the end of Star Wars episode three. <laughs> it's it, the sequel that is almost definitely coming I think will be very good based on the hint that we get of the sequel in the post credit scene yeah but it won't uh, be on the slate for another four or five years at but least but this is the problem they're, they're built up to 2020 yeah like, that they're gonna we're getting the, a humans movie before we get that the rate that the Marvel Cinematic Universe changes what happens within it anyway I mean, by the time that you get to needing a Doctor Strange two, the world that they've just established will be completely different. It, so there'll be. I don't think it. Like, I don't think the film that you are thinking of, based on what happens at the, towards the end of this one in the third act, I don't think we'll get to see much more of that. I think it will appear through the other films. You probably Thor. You didn't watch the end, the final credit scene, did you? I stayed for the first stinger, and then I just the, thought I'm off. Yeah, the final. Oh, the second stinger is the second stinger is, the is worth hanging around for. 
Yeah. It really is worth hanging around for, and it does set up what should be a really good film. So the thing that worries me about this film more than anything is that if they keep to this, you know, maybe I'm just being cynical this time around, and I just think, you know, like I said, maybe I had a bit of a shit day at work, and I went straight to the cinema afterwards to mm-hmm. watch this film, but what if, you know, what if Black Panther's this this boring, I don't think it will be because we've had Black Panther before, but what if the uh, What's the Face Larson film turns out to be just uh, as generic? Yeah, Cap- Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. I, I don't have high hopes for that. I, I, it's a shame because I, I love, I've loved some Captain Marvel runs or Carol Danvers runs. I don't. But the problem is, we I, will see. I love her and I'm, I'm enjoying the MCU as a whole. What I don't want, and I know I sound like that guy, but I don't want the first actual proper failure to be the the one where they try and introduce a female uh, main character. Do you see what I mean? Mm. That would be really awful timing on their part. And, you know, I don't... I think they've got, you know, 14 films in, they've got a formula for their introductory movies. I think it needs changing quite drastically. I talked with Tony on the show last time about um, sort of superhero fatigue. Yeah. And, you know, I still think we're some way off the ridiculous tirades that we hear every so often that the only films coming out of Hollywood now are superhero films. I, oh, yeah, I still think that's a ridiculous. I've had days where I've, that's come out of my mouth and I've gone, for fuck's sake, do we really need five uh, mm. comic book movies in one year? And it's not because of, it's not because the comic book movies are all coming out in one year. It's because the cinemas that we've got local to us, and you must see this as well, because you've got yep. quite a small one near you. All they do is put on the films that are going to make the money. So we miss so many good films because they fill nine of the ten screens. With... Well, I would have loved to have been talking about Train to Busan this week instead of Doctor Strange, but yeah, it wasn't me showing as well. here. Mm. Wasn't my nearest showing was London, I think. Yeah, it isn't part of the problem with. Superhero film that we've been spoiled. Like if Doctor Strange came out in two thousand eight, we would be pissing ourselves. Yep, that's because true. it gets the the visual style, gets the character, and we are used to a high quality of comic book films now. We expect Marvel films to be six, seven out of ten, mm-hmm. at least. We expect DC to be three or four. Um, <laughs> but with, fuck oh, you, yeah, that, that, squad. That, that was that was good <laughs> again. It's mm. yeah, no, it's a really it, good it's, point. It's meeting our high usual standards. It doesn't do anything particularly wrong. We're just used to it. But now. it's not like that. That standards come out of nowhere. You know, Marvel created that mm-hmm. standard for us. Yeah. And if they're not going to keep up or exceed it, then it's time to maybe rethink their strategy a little bit. And I'm not saying this well, as someone that thinks they need to stop making films. I enjoy watching their films. I just. I wanted to be blown away by Doctor Strange and I wasn't and that's really sad. But I think Brian's point that, you know, the more you're given these, it's it's just a catch-22, isn't it? The, the more consistently they make decent movies, the harder it is for them to keep making better films because where, where do they keep going? You oh, know, sure. They've got a, a formula that works and you can't really blame them for doing that each time so that they know they're going to have a relative success but at the same well, time you get diminishing returns it's like if you've yeah. got a roller coaster a dozen times exactly it's not been fun yeah exactly you hear the same joke every you know 
comedy show you want. It's like Vic and Bob in a weird sort of way. I love Vic and Bob, but you know, once you've seen one episode of Shooting Stars in a series, the next episode is exactly the same, just with the replaced guests. Um, and as it goes on, it just gets less funny. Because it's the same that joke. said, no, I've watched Vic and Bob do Carry On Camping about 12 times. <laughs> I still laugh because okay. that's Will Self, and he's got a Booker Prize, and he's yearning <laughs> in the background. I mean, in looking, just looking at what's, what's coming up at Marvel and introducing new characters as we're going back to that point, Black Panther doesn't look like that's going to be uh, an origin story. It says on the Wikipedia entry, when two enemies challenge Black Panther's leadership, he must team up with CIA and somebody else, Wakanda Special Forces, to stop them. Uh, the film is set after the events of Captain America's Civil War. Because the Black Panther was kind of was introduced in Captain exactly. America, wasn't he? He, wasn't, yeah. he didn't appear having always been the Black Panther. He appeared having just become the Black Panther because exactly. the, per- yeah. the person ahead of him had just died. So actually, that worked well as an origin. The same way as we get Spider-Man, uh, his origin essentially lies in Captain America for all we need. Yeah, can't can't find much on Captain Marvel. Um, can't find much on any kind of... I mean, in, in, in Phase 3, we've had the first two films, and next we've got Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok next year. Then 2018, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Then 2019, Captain Marvel uh, and the Avengers sequel that's untitled at the moment. And then, do you think they're going to do a Phase 4, or do you think they'll just knock it on the head there? Oh, yeah, Sorry, they'll just knock it on the head, so they'll give up. Yeah, they don't need millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Is there not still in humans on the slate? Uh, it's not on the Wikipedia page. I think that was post-Infinity War Part 2, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, that that will come after the whatever Infinity War Part Two has now it's, become. Mm-hmm. That is the fact they're trying to make happen in the comics, and it'll be because we've got a film yeah. in the pipeline. Mm. Like, let's build Buzz Knight for five years' time. I've got to do, at the same time you've got to kind of remember, and this is maybe also where they're causing themselves a bit of a problem, is they're doing very very good tie-in TV shows. That are up that for me are upping the quality for the most part as well. Oh well. Oh, you mean the, uh, the Netflix one? Yeah. See, and obviously you got the 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 Defenders. Yeah. Is that is that what's so we got Iron Fist in March and then the Defenders must be, I don't know, this time next year. And at least they've got control over it, unlike mm. DC slash Warner Brothers, because TV. And films are at war with each other. Yeah. With Marvel Studios. Which is hilarious considering the CW is owned by Warner Brothers. Mm. But then they've also got like Gotham, which is nothing to do with anything. Not to do with the other TV shows that are going on and nothing to do with the movies. Yeah. They've got these three different like worlds that they've created that are running concurrently. Yes. No, we're going to see soon. What? I'm adamant this is going to happen. You see that some of Doctor Strange was set in London. Yeah. And and there's been quite a bit of mentions of London or London. F- you want Captain Britain, don't you? Yeah, Captain, it's happening, isn't it? No, it's not. It definitely is. <laughs> Please God, no. I'll, I'll watch it if Jason Statham is Captain Britain. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. I'll watch if Martin Freeman's Captain Britain. <laughs> <laughs> 
But on the subject of that, I mean, isn't it? I mean, maybe I'm a bit cynical that they have Doctor Strange set partly in America, partly in London, and partly in Hong Kong. You know, they're three main markets for selling the movie. Doing the Transformers 4 thing. Exactly, yeah. You can't Marvel bring in token to Chinese that? character, set it in China. Do Marvel they, need to do that, though? They put a Chinese-only scene in Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. and did they not? They had a Korean doctor in Age of Ultron, and that yep. was to get into, or give it a boost in the Korean market. Mm-hmm. Yep. If, you have, if you have a chance to make a shitload more money without inconveniencing yourself, then go for it. Why not? Mm, yeah, I know. It just seems really cynical. I mean, it's again. Oh, it I, is. I would oh. pull it down to like. Well, you can't even call it studio interference, can you? Because these films are just completely studio led. Where someone sat there and gone, well, you need to make something happen in this film in China, and they go, well, okay, we'll swap one generic location for another. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. Who directed this? Scott Derrickson, the man behind Sinister and The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and he did Hellraiser Inferno, well, which is like the seventh film in the Hellraiser series. This is quite a large jump up for him. Oh yeah, massive. Mm. Um, Although Plain and Forgetful is something I said a lot about The Day the Earth Stood Still as well. That's <laughs> yeah. almost John Hammond. Um, is John Hammond Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves, isn't it? Yeah. Is John, John Hammond in it as well? Okay, I don't... Not, he doesn't start. He's not going to go far. He's like the boyfriend Big or something, Ball isn't he? And Keanu Reeves, I don't remember much of that film. Yeah. Because they're not also... It's part of the getting towards a safer format. They started with big directors like Jean Favreau and Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. And who was it? The Hulk... The... The Louis Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... U- unique directors that have a clear style and the going for lower budget TV directors you can push about. Yeah, that's yeah, maybe. Although they did get Shane Black for Iron Man 3 and you know, they've got these brothers, the Russo brothers doing the Captain America stuff. And the Russo brothers are doing uh, Infinity War as well, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know if we really have any more to say about Doctor Strange other than um, it, it is worth a watch, but perhaps not Marvel's best efforts. But um, it's no Thor two. It's no Thor two. It's no The Incredible Hulk. It's, it's no Age of Ultron. Age of exactly. It's six and a half out of ten. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it it looks really good. Like we haven't stressed no how exciting some of this are. Quick, how many kids were there in your film in your showing? Not many. Not many. No, it's mainly oh, Marvel nerds. I, there are a few wee ones in my show and I thought, you're going to have definitely nightmares. The question <laughs> is, what will it be? Will it be the fingers turning into hands turning into fingers? That was pretty creepy. Will it, will it be turning into a, a burning skeleton and being flown into space? What will wake your parents up when you scream at three o'clock in the morning? It, it will be the magic carpet from Aladdin turning into a fucking psychopath and repeatedly smacking someone's head against the floor for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That was a joke that I said it's welcome. It really did outstate it's welcome. It was, I'll tell you what it reminded me of, and obviously nowhere near as violent, but the the second Halloween remake, 
when Michael Myers stomps on someone's <laughs> face. And the first time it goes, it's nasty. And the yeah. second time, it's a bit grim. Third and fourth times, it's funny. After that, it just, please fucking stop. This is horrible mm-hmm. now. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Obviously, there was nowhere near as much blood or nastiness, but it did make me think of that. Yep. Okay. Um, time now for some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going to go with new on Netflix, uh, the James McAvoy film Filth. Oh, so was I. Watch it twice. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's me and Brian done. So, Brooker. Uh, 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 I've, got, I've got two, so I'm going to do these very, very quickly because I think both need to be said. Uh, this week on DVD and Blu-ray and your digital format of choice, The Neon Demon is out. And you absolutely have to watch that. Uh but also Friday at 10 to 11 on the Horror Channel is an awesome, nasty-ass little film called Landmine Goes Click <gasps> that you should right. absolutely watch. It's fucking brilliant and horrible. It, it really, <laughs> really is not. It's fucking amazing. It's, it's on a par. The nastiness in that is on a par with the woman. When you get to the end and go, holy fuck, that was grim. It's very, very good. Okay, and Owen? A uh, film I've talked about on here quite recently uh, is on Film 4 uh, on Saturday at 9pm. Uh, the Guest by Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard. Yeah, the man. thriller about a soldier who's played by Dan Stevens, who I mentioned earlier, who befriends the family of a comrade who died in Afghanistan and is not really what he seems He's not to really be. that much of a friend. Not really, no. Awesome film. Music, visuals, Black humour, acting, writing. Outstanding film. Just all quality, all quality. Also, I know, like, we talked about it last week, but The Comedian's Guide to Survival is available now to buy and rent on VOD and DVD. And I would give that another quick plug. Oh, actually, as well, while I'm thinking about it, something else I've watched recently, Rick and Morty Season 2 has been added to Netflix and is just as good as the first season. Loved it. Cool. Okay. That is all for this week's Fail Critics Podcast. And so thank you for joining us. We'll be back at the same time next week with Owen, who and what? With me, yes. And uh, we're talking um, The Accountant, which comes out on Friday. I quite fancy that. Yeah, Ben Affleck kind of heisty, thrillery type thing. It's decent. I really liked it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you saw the preview of it, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, I went to uh, an early screening of it before the Cineworld one, which I was mm-hmm. quite impressed with. But yeah, I really liked Did, Have I sent you my review of it? You have. I have, I yeah. right um, yeah. It will be published this week. Cool. I'm holding it back. There mm. you go. All that to look forward to in next week or so. Um, so yes, thanks for listening and joining us next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.